It is a beautiful Thursday afternoon. Your third weekend of 2023 is about to commence, and there's no better way to do it than riding shotgun with Dane Fife this afternoon on 93.5-1075. The fan inside the drivehubler.com studios. Lara Overton's going to join us on the mowershop.com hotline here momentarily. Charlie Clifford with you, Wish TV. The Pacers did not keep you on very long last night in Oklahoma City. Dane Fife, 17 to 1 to start, down 16 in the first quarter. It's the question Rick Carlisle's trying to figure out as he flies to Denver to see the Nuggets tomorrow night. Jokic and the Nuggets off to the best start in franchise history, 32 and 13. It's going to be a tough one. What if what are you telling Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nemhard, two rookies who are playing big minutes now, who have the ball in their hands a ton more because of Halliburton sitting? What are you asking them to do? Because the turnovers, Rick Carlisle said just preposterous yesterday. Twenty four led to thirty six Thunder points. Well, that happens those are the kind of things that happen on the road, especially with a young squad. Now is it can it be tolerated? Absolutely not. But Rick Carlisle has done this a long time and has had many successful seasons with different groups of players. And one, I trust he knows what the heck he's doing. But two, um, he's got to be excited about this young team. Yeah. Um, Whether they're sitting here waiting on Halliburton to come back, you know, uh, Sticks. What is it, Sticks? Yes, Jalen Smith. We want Jalen Smith. Sticks Sticks is in and out. who went from but, zero to hero after he was taunting the fans at Assembly Hall a few years ago. Now he's like, hey, this is a really nice now guy. They love him. He's a really nice guy. But, uh, you know, I, what, they're 23 and 23. Yep. And, you know, they're on a five-game skid. But what they have going for them is excitement. They've got young guys that are hungry. And how do they get out of this current skid? I don't know. But I know this. Let's play hard on the road. Let's do the right thing. Stick together. Let's get back home, see if we can put one together, hopefully get guys healthy, hopefully get their minds right, and get these young cats back. Because there's nothing more dangerous than than a young player, a rookie player, because they don't understand the pressure. <laughs> now, they say the same thing in college. Yeah. I mean, these guys are 19 no and 20 years old. Right. They're not 21, 22. They haven't been exposed to the, the rigors of the media. Guys like, oh, wait, guys like us, guys like Jimmy. <laughs> The big um, bad meanies of the world. So I think no, if you're Rick Carlisle, you want to you want to find a way to to keep this thing together on this road swing, however long it is with injuries and whatnot. Yeah. Win or lose, be competitive. But, but let's get back. Let's get back home. Let's get our feet underneath us and get ready to win some games. It's been a week since Tyrese Halliburton went down with the knee and elbow. It was going to be reevaluated in two weeks' time, so you're potentially halfway there. Joining us now, right now, in the Mower Shop in Fishers and the MowerShop.com hotline, all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools, it is Lara Overton of the Indianapolis Colts. Lara, Charlie Clifford, and Dane Fife, thank you for coming on this afternoon. First and foremost, how has the start of the offseason been for you you had a crazy 18 weeks and that was after a busy training camp have you enjoyed a bit of a breather it's been a bit of a breather but i also am trying to constantly keep pace with all of the different either head coaching candidates that are interviewing have been interviewed or are rumored to be interviewing or that have been requests put into because i think we're up to about a dozen nearly right. at this point so I've been trying to keep track of that although it has been nice 
to have like the full weekend. We had a three day weekend uh, last weekend. Office was closed on Monday, so had an opportunity to catch up and just be at home, uh, which is fantastic. And then be able to at least kind of keep tabs on on things from there of trying to see, you know, what's going on, what the feedback has been on certain candidates, on certain interviews, and sure. also trying to just brief yourself on a few of the resumes because Charlie, I know that you know this. Like when I get into the thick of the season. I'm so cult centric that yes. I have trouble keeping tabs on, you know, what's going on in the NFC or the remainder <laughs> of the AFC outside of the AFC South. So just trying to familiarize myself with a few of the candidates who seem to be not only hot names for the Colts, but, you know, hot names with other coaching vacancies as well. So trying to stay abreast of that, but it, it has been nice to not just like kind of catch up and decompress, but also to be able to sit back and watch all those fantastic playoff games and just kind of be a fan of, of football. I'm with you. Look, we're all looking forward to the divisional round. I thought the opening round, Lara, Dane, I would love your thoughts on this too. The wild card games outside of really the second half between the Niners and the Seahawks, you couldn't turn any of those off, could you? Hey, they were off for me. I'm a Lions fan, pal. <laughs> you're, you're you're abstaining from playoff football. <laughs> no, I was traveling. For the last but, seventy years. You know, I can just picture Lara right now. Now it sounds like she's indoors, but she could be just in her camper, her RV, <laughs> or her Porsche 911. But I got a sense that I passed her on the way here, staking out the Colts facility. At wow. least, at least Lucas Oil waiting for the next candidate to come in. <laughs> But she's definitely in her camper. Best, like, doing my best, like, TMZ, like, trying yeah. to catch people coming or going. I now, could just see yeah. her in her you, camper. You know me too well, Dane. That La- would be a Cousin Eddie camper. Lara, those would have been your those would have been your local TV days here. Now now you're on the inside of the wall. Now we're like, hey, you think I can text Lara? You think she would let me know, like, what, what the deal is? You're on the inside. Uh, you know, I, I, I like to think so. I mean, I am. I am inside the same building, but... Everything is is pretty tight when it comes to exactly the process that they're going through and exactly any feedback on, you know, what candidates uh, have, what kind of the process has been in terms of what they've learned about certain guys or who they've liked or haven't liked or who's been really strong. Because that is all pretty well, like, isolated to, you know, the Chris Ballard front office bubble. We're just, we're just over here, you know, preparing for, the draft series and doing our off season work and doing podcasts and all of that. And just kind of, you know, waiting for the updates and the alerts uh, as they come through. But yeah, Dane, for sure, you know, a good, uh, like a good breaking bad style RV. Trying to find, you know, Wink Martindale and Shane Steichen and Raheem Morris, like catch them outside their hotel or, you know, when they're on their way back, hopping on a plane. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Luckily, I am. That's not in my realm of investigative television. I still think a good insider, though, Lara, is is someone that knows before it happens, hmm. and, and and that was simply my way of giving you credit. Of all right, you're gonna know. You're not gonna have to ask questions. You're just gonna know, because that's that's a big part of your job is to to stake out and know what's going on. Yeah. But in all seriousness. Um, I sympathize with you because the amount of secrecy, it seems like the NFL is less secretive than an NCAA hiring, like an NCAA basketball or football coach hiring, but the amount of secrecy that goes on, it's got to be hard enough just trying to to either dispel rumors or not, let alone 
you work for the Colts and mm-hmm. and you can't really you can't really address whether it's a rumor or not. You got to wait for mm-hmm. the facts. But the, the amount of secrecy that goes on in these business, it's just it's perplexing. I suppose it's necessary, but um, I feel like the Patriots changed the fact that they made that such a priority. Deflate game. Do you feel like that's trickled oh. down? Like they they made it, and Bill Polian very much so of the same. Same, uh, Lara. From what I've gathered, Bill Polian was the same way, and and surely, if you're interviewing twelve candidates, you if you like somebody, you better hope that doesn't get out, because now you're at a competitive well, disadvantage. Well, I, you're absolutely right because there are already other head coach openings that these guys have you know had conversations about, or you see situations like in Detroit where Ben Johnson has already gone back, you know, to. Uh, says he wants to stay there, pulled his name out of the consideration. And I think that one of the things that makes it a little more difficult to get any inclination or any sort of a tip on how they could be leaning, a few factors. One of them is this net is so broad. It's coordinators, it's offensive guys, it's defensive guys, it's special teams with Bubba Ventrone, it's interim head coach Jeff Saturday in consideration. It is so very broad and so wide that it doesn't seem to be tipping off that they're favoring, you know, one way or another or a guy who has head coaching experience like a Dan Quinn uh, in or, you know, Raheem Morris in, in that way. So it's a little bit of everything. You have incredibly young candidates like the offensive coordinator in uh, New York. I mean, it's so wide and so broad, so that makes it difficult. And then I also think there is such a priority on trying to be not secretive, so to speak, but on being very intentional and you know being as confidential as possible because think back to the last head coaching cycle point. for the Colts and what happened <laughs> with Josh McDaniel and what you went through. So you want zero and not that I don't, I don't think that that would happen again. That seems to be such a rare and unprecedented occurrence, but it has, I think probably made you more so, um, I don't know if it would be hesitant, but just very much so is that you are as diligent and as thorough and being incredibly tight to the vest with how you're prioritizing this process and who is where along the process. So we are like as best we can, you know, keeping tabs on it. JJ Stankovitz is reporting when certain guys interview and when those have concluded. But yeah, other than that, we're kind of hearing, hearing very little to this point. It'll be interesting as we get through into the next two weeks because right. you have coaches who are still in the playoffs who are delaying any interviews until after the divisional weekend because they have teams currently in contention. So that's one thing we know. And then we also know that Chris Ballard said this could go into mid-February. <laughs> right. We're not going to rush to anything. So they're going to be – if there is someone who they are highly intrigued by who is on a team that's going to the conference championships, then they might wait. And this could drag out a little bit longer. So I think it's, it's one of those where it's uh, fun to – try to dig in a little bit and, and see maybe where guys rank or, you know, the likelihood of this guy or that guy. But it's truly, I think, just way too early to tell. I agree. Lara Overton's with us of the Colts. Again, great perspective here of, yes, 
we're hearing things. The list has been massive, you know, already up to a dozen potentially that will interview five requested, seven already done. Jeff Saturday, one of those that officially, as far as we know, has not spoken. Larry, do you have any idea what was going to go on? Anything you can share about what Jeff Saturday was going to do for these couple weeks? I assume he was ready to take a deep breath and to try to almost hit the reset button again before he had to interview. Is that fair to say? As best I can tell, and I have not asked just this directly, but it seems based on everything that I can gather that he immediately shifted into building out the, his vision of what this team would be under his leadership, how he would construct a staff. Right. Because that's a lot of phone calls. Yeah, that was, that's one of the primary questions because Jeff doesn't come from a typical coaching resume, no. obviously. Whereas you think about, you know, when, when Coach Reich was hired, hey, he went and got Nick Sirianni, who he'd been with with the Chargers, and he had guys who he'd made stops with, you know, along the way who he knew or recommendations from other coaches who he'd who had been a coordinator at time that he'd had in previous stops, all of those types of things, right? He pulled guys from Philadelphia, Mike Grow, Press Taylor. You think about all yeah. the different ways that he went about, you know, building some guys. So it would be very interesting to see what Jeff Saturday's vision is for how he would tab a coaching staff where he didn't necessarily come up through the ranks of position group coach the coordinator like the you know traditional path would take and then vision for how he would fix some of the clear dysfunction that was exposed within this football team yeah. over the 2022 season so it see Jeff is not and Charlie you know Jeff well enough that he's not a guy who kind of like kicks back and like rests on his laurels very well <laughs> no. he's, he's I mean you think about when you would see him on I mean you know as a player he was in here doing everything. And then uh, as a TV analyst, he was on four or five different shows over the course of a day. He doesn't just sit around. He doesn't take recreational time <laughs> no. very well, I don't imagine, no. right? Like, he works out, he spends time with his family, and he works. So it seems that the immediate uh, attention and immediate focus for Jeff went to preparing himself for this interview cycle, probably having conversations with different guys who have gone through maybe interview processes to plan on what to expect or, you know, what he can do. But I would sure, you know, be sure that, you know, as an offensive lineman, what do we know? They're some of the most cerebral guys and well-studied guys on a football team. So I would think that Jeff implemented the same approach that made him, you know, a ring of honor, Super Bowl champion starting center to preparing for this interview cycle with the Indianapolis Colts. No question. What do you got, Dano? Larry, look, I think uh, as much as a head coach is important, I think you win a Super Bowl based on one of two things. One, you got a great QB, or two, you got a great defense. Where do you think the Colts are? I mean, we've, we've done a lot of head coach talk. Um, we've heard we're almost suffering from head coach fatigue already. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the Colts are in trading up uh, to get a Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. Has there been much talk about that? I'm sure there has. I hope there has. Man, if you've got head coaching fatigue now, you better buckle up. We've <laughs> got a long way to go. We've still got a whole month of this to talk about, wow. probably. Uh, but, no, a, a great question. I haven't heard 
much yet on the likelihood of any sort of moves. Of course, in knowing the scouting department and we do our draft series with the next pick every year, we will begin shooting that next week and we will go down to the Senior Bowl in Mobile. So that'll be a very interesting evaluation. What is something to take into account, though, is those who are juniors exiting college don't participate in the senior bowl. So some of those intriguing quarterback candidates, you know, whether they one, they can elect not to participate in the senior bowl if you are a senior, but then they're also just not eligible. Um, So it'll be interesting to see the quarterbacks who participate there. Um, Not that that would necessarily have any bearing on the Colts consideration of, of any quarterback over another, but Again, I go into, you know, my well of Indianapolis Colts football during the season that I haven't seen a whole lot. I haven't, you know, I don't have a a great um, base of knowledge or, you know, a great sample size on a lot of these quarterbacks. Um, But, of course, it is one that Chris Ballard said, if there is a guy that you believe is (laughs) is the guy for your team, you will move heaven and earth to get to that position of getting the guy unique and it seems that Chicago is in such an advantageous position because it it would be unlikely that they would target one of those quarterbacks given that they have a promising young quarterback in Justin Fields who it seems like that they're going to build a team around and they should yeah so there are a there's a lot of intrigue surrounding what bargaining could happen with Chicago to move up into that position um, because sitting where you are, it's a bit of a gamble to think that if there's a guy you believe strongly in, that he is going to be there when you are selecting. So it's still a little, it's not terribly early um, in the process of kind of looking at the likelihood of having to do that. But I just think for the Colts, you have so many other imminent priorities by getting a head coach and building a staff and doing all of those things that you have to address that first before you're really able to hone in on what you're going to have to do to be in the position to get the guy that you need when you get to that last weekend in April. And I'm very curious how within these head coaching conversations, how frequently it has come up what the plan is right. I, at quarterback. You're right, Lair. I mean, there's. And, it has to be the and, first question of every interview. What are you thinking? Yes. <laughs> what are you thinking in the draft? What are you thinking about a potential short-term stopgap with someone who's actually taken a snap in the National Football League so we don't ruin the rookie after four weeks if he's not ready and you know he's not ready, but you have to play him because you don't have a backup plan? It's. It feels like the Colts have left – the season, and I don't think this is a reach that really that depth chart one, two, three. I mean, is it is any name filled in anywhere, or do you feel like nothing is off the table in terms of filling that one through three slot? What's your perspective on that quickly? With the stats associated with this offense in 2022, nothing is off the table. Yeah. You you have you have to completely look at that and, you know, take every different Jenga piece and Jenga. rearrange Jenga. it in every possible position to figure out, okay, and they were we, all on the floor. We're we, picking them up now. Yeah. <laughs> it was not this thing was not the structure was is it is it one of these veteran guys that you bring back 
to mentor, uh, you know, and and help mold a young quarterback? Is it none of them? Is it Sam Ellinger? Is it Matt Ryan? Is it Nick Foles? I mean, I think you have to look at every single possibility. There has to be a full examination, of course, of of everything that each of those guys brings to you. Because you think about when Frank Reich walked in in 2018, had he been interviewing and it wasn't Andrew Luck at quarterback, would that have been as enticing of a job? Or how much different would that have been for Frank when assembling a staff and assembling an offensive coordinator and quarterback coach if that position was unknown at the time? Yeah, it's a great point. I want to get out of here with this. This is Lara Overton, Colts.com. You follow her coverage all off season long again. The great storytelling that the Colts do, that's going to pick back up. That credit goes to Dave Knickerbocker, Matt Bone, Amber Durow, Matt Wilking, Kevin Connors, and of course, Lara. There's a huge staff. Those stories this off season uh, will be must-watch content as they always are. Guys, let's go through the slate of games this weekend. I need a quick thought, quick prediction on each game. Again, Dane Fife here, Charlie Clifford, Jimmy Cook, Lara Overton on the Mower Shop Hotline. We're starting Saturday night in Philadelphia. The heinous language that is most certainly on the way for when the Giants run out of that tunnel to take on their rival and Nick Sirianni and the odds-on favorite in the NFC, Giants-Eagles. Lara, I'm starting with you. Who do you have? I have the Giants with the upset over oh, the Eagles. Holy Lord. Lord. Brian Brian Dable, it is it's a toss up on coach of the year for me between Brian Dable and Doug Peterson. But wow. uh, this is something that I think watching that New York team firsthand, it just seems like that they are on the ascend. It seems like a team that is incredibly feisty, incredibly hungry. They're a gritty football team. Uh, They have a very hard-nosed mentality. And I I just feel like that Philly has exposed their vulnerabilities in some situations. Um, And obviously Jalen Hurts had to kind of off that injury coming back. And, I mean, that is a a (laughs) defensive front that will get after you and make you pay. So I'm going to take the Giants to be upset. If Daniel Jones... if, I, you know I love Nick Sirianni. I mean, I, I think I think Nick is one of the I don't best question guys that. out there. I don't question it. Is anyone else picking that up? Uh, I'm going to say, Lara, the uh, Pepper Johnson and Jeff Hostetler and uh, Hostetler and, and LT Lawrence Taylor. I'm not coming out that door. I'm taking the Eagles and the points. Our Parcells is yeah, watching someone. I've got to be Go. honest. I was on the fence, and I was leaning towards the Giants pick for a second. I was like, now nah, I'm going to go with the Eagles. Lara has sold me. I'm wow, with the G-Man as well. All right, we're a split house. We have two Giants. Jump right on. Appreciate that. We have, we have two Giants logos, two Eagles logos. One other game. The other one that feels like it's going to be very tight in the AFC. Bengals, Buffalo. A lot of emotion. Everything. It's amazing how recently all of this has transpired. Most importantly, we're thrilled. Demar Hamlin, his recovery is going completely in the right direction. The Buffalo Bills are a five-point favorite. Lara Overton, who wins the game in Buffalo on Sunday afternoon? I feel like, although that was a, a such a close game, closer than it should have been last weekend, that Buffalo is a team of destiny this year. So I am taking the Bills at home, and that is primarily because of Naheem Hines, and I want him I want him to get to an AFC championship game. That guy deserves it. So it's a little bit of a, a homerage to me, a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I just do. I think the Bills are a team of destiny this year. Okay. Buffalo going to finally crack Joe Burrow. He has not cracked in the postseason spotlight. 
Jimmy Cook. Who do you have in Buffalo? He does not crack this week. This is where not having Von Miller is really going to hurt the Bills. This is where the secondary issues that have happened with DeMar Hamlin's absence. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're very glad that his recovery has been what it is. That place is going to be rocking. I think it's a shootout. I think Josh Allen finally makes that mistake that has bugabooed him this year in the red zone. Bengals win a close one. Dane Fife. That's an easy one. The the Bengals, (laughs) America is riding the Bengal train all the way to the bowl. To the big bowl, the Super Bowl. They're going to go back to back. Absolutely. My train's a one exit stop. I just want to clarify that. Just yes. Okay. You want Cook wants the rematch <laughs> yeah. at Arrowhead. Uh, I'm going Bills. I'm with Lair Overton. Team of Destiny. Uh, I I'm, I think the Bengals, the Cinderella thing finally strikes midnight after two years. Final thought. We're, is anyone going Jacksonville? Can I just shout that out here now? Again, Lair Overton's on with Jimmy's us. Jimmy's not. He's got his Tom Gugliotta. Jimmy. George Karloftis. George Jimmy's Karloftis. certainly not. Lara, speak now or forever hold your peace. Chiefs moving on. I think it's going to be a tight one. I think I think Jacksonville will give them a game, but I'm going to give the advantage to Kansas City. Okay, yeah. Chiefs sweep. Don't lay the eight. They, they don't, Chiefs do not cover. Take, take it from the Chiefs fan. They do not I'm, cover. I'm with, scoop scoop I'm the with, nine there. I'm with Jimmy Cook. Okay. This is our final thought here. Again, Lara Overton with us, Charlie Clifford, Dane Fife, Jimmy Cook. We're going around the horn. It is the game Sunday evening. Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys, with the help of T.Y. Hilton, going to see the team that has not lost since essentially Halloween. And that is the last pick of the draft, Brock Purdy leading the Niners at home. Lara, starting with you, does the Cinderella story continue for Brock Purdy? Or does Jerry Jones get closer to a Super Bowl than I don't know the last time the Cowboys were in an NFC championship game? I covered the game in Green Bay when when Des Bryant had the catch that wasn't a catch that would have put him in an NFC title game. Larry, your thoughts? Who wins it in San Fran? Brock Purdy has been one of the feel-good stories of the entire season, but I think that Dallas is on track. I think that they are riding so high after that win last week in Tampa. Got to figure out the kicking situation. They're keeping the kicker. uh, Were you stunned they they are keeping the kicker? They they signed another guy I saw, though. Is it it one of the workout situations? They did not cut the kicker. Yeah, it's not the kicker. It's the holder. You guys got to pay attention. Well, certainly not Matt Overton, another one of Lara's favorites. No relation. That's right. (laughs) Certainly not his fault. Brother from another mother, as I like to say. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm taking the Cowboys. Ooh. I, I, yeah, I, that is probably though to me the toughest pick of the weekend. I could be persuaded another way, but uh, having, I, I think that having a front row seat to so many of these playoff teams this year, which you know, obviously Philadelphia and New York, Jacksonville, Kansas City, Dallas, like I, I saw so many of these teams in person. That I, I mean, I have a little PTSD still from <laughs> Dallas in that fourth quarter, and seeing what that defense was able to do. So I think I'm I'm, I'm going Dallas on this one, and uh, I think Ty Hilton finally get you know finally oh. gets there. Yeah, that Cowboy team in the fourth quarter on Sunday Night Football might have beaten the 85 Bears. Fife, where are you going, Niners, you know, Cowboys? Lara, Lara gets these long explanations, the breakdown and the rationale of why she – It's I nice get, to bring some rational ten, thought to the show. <laughs> it's hey, a real – Purdy's getting down and dirty in Levi Stadium this weekend. He, I'm going Niners. Take the points. Wow. 
The Cowboys are giving up right around five yards per carry. It was 1995. Comes playoffs. With the 1996 inside. January is the last time the Cowboys were in a conference championship game. I was one years old. They're going to have to wait. 27 They're years. They're going to have to wait. Get him, Jimmy. Another Get him, Jimmy. The latest heartbreaker. Yes. Because Christian McCaffrey is going to dominate against this Ooh. Cowboys defense. Take the pressure off Brock Purdy. Niners win. Take that, Lara Overton. Charlie. It is a long week, okay? You, you played you played Monday night in Tampa. Also now you got to go out west. I feel like the extra the extra leg work. I'm with you. These these weapons. We all talk about okay, how can the Colts get back on track? Look at the weapons Brock Purdy has at his arsenal. What would Brock Purdy done in Indianapolis this season? I'm sorry. I don't think it would have looked much different with him here. You need the playmakers. Kyle Shanahan has for my money the best playmakers left and that includes Cincinnati that includes the Chiefs he has the full package and just tell this kid not to wake up he struggled in the first half he came back at a great second half I'm going Niners that a baby Lara Overton we've taken too much of your vacation please go back to Jenga right back to Jenga Lara Overton are you going to watch the IU game tonight Lara uh, without question. Okay. Absolutely. I, I am. I'm locked in. I, I, for some reason, I thought it was last night. <laughs> I got home and I was like, oh, good. Like, tell me how you game. And then I'm like, wait, what day of the week is it? Oh, wait, it's Thursday night. I'm totally off. Here, I'll throw this one out to you guys. We do Please. a random thought of the week on the podcast every week. And this was my random thought of the week, which I will pose to you three guys. Of the four games this weekend, if you could choose to attend mm. that game and experience the playoff atmosphere in any of those places, what would it be? However, you have to go in the attire of the visiting team. <laughs> oh, what a oh caveat. Oh, man. That was a twist at the end. That was a layup question. Now this feels like a half quarter. San Francisco. I'll go with the Cowboys gear. <laughs> I know there's bad blood there, but the oh fan my bases, gosh. I don't want to be a Jags Decades fan. Decades old. I do not want to be a Bengals fan in Buffalo. Walsh. Uh, I mean, come on. The, the Cowboys couldn't get over the hump against the Niners for years. And then finally. You want to go to Philly in Giants gear? That's I, what you want to do? No, because you'll end up in the hospital. <laughs> I'd go Bengals, Bills. I'm it, with Fife. It'll be get so damn cold. Nobody will care. Mafia. You know what? They're I, nice. I, I've switched my mind. And it's not just because they're nice. It's because they're nice. shared camaraderie. Yeah. Buffalo. What happened. Yes. yes. It's DeMar like Hamlin. going to a pack. We're all that's Bengals right fans, that's no the right matter answer. what. That's the right answer. We're, We're throwing welcome, Fife Jimmy. through You're a welcome. folding table, Lara. We're throwing Fife <laughs> through yeah. a folding table. Get, hey, here's one thing I'll tell you. You give Dane Fife some Buffalo wings and a little bat. Hey, do you have a folding table and all. She, Put on some Zumba. <laughs> I love that. For you. Zumbas. That, that should be Dane's new Twitter bio. Buffalo wings and a Labatt. Lara Overton of the, the Colts. Lara, this was a blast. Thanks for your insight on the coaching search, the quarterback question, and what's going to happen this weekend in the playoffs. We'll talk again soon, okay? Hey, look forward to it, guys. Have a great weekend. See you, Lara. That was so fun. Inside the DriveHubler.com studios on the MowerShop.com hotline with Jeremiah Johnson, Pacers, Bally Sports, Indiana, pregame and postgame host. Jeremiah Johnson, where on earth are you uh, this afternoon? Have you arrived in Denver or are you in transit? We are in Denver. There's snow on the ground. I'm looking out my hotel window, and there's a couple sitting in a hot tub. So I'm not sure uh, how smart they are, but as long as they're below water, I guess they're okay. That's hot. That's hot, JJ. That's hot. (laughs) (laughs) 
there was a lot of snow here yesterday, but it's uh, it's okay today. We landed just fine, and we're now in the Mile High City. Fife was at the game Saturday. Trying to flag you down. Yeah. Got nothing. JJ, oh, can you man. get can you guess where Fife was <laughs> when Morant threw down the dunk of the year? He wasn't uh, in his seat. That's a hit. Line. <laughs> close. Steak and shake. No, I'm not a bench pretzel. Sto- no. It's close. Steak, Steak and, and shake. shake. Okay. Milkshake lime. Well, <laughs> I didn't know that. Here's the problem with that. They they pre-make the chocolate shake. Everything else is fresh. So I'm eating like a, a bowl of ice cream instead of a milkshake. Sorry, Steak and Shake. <laughs> Maybe throw a sponsor our way. At least a, at least a freshly made shake. That'll I digress. Go ahead, that'll, that'll line them right up. Spark the nerve. Spark the nerve. Sales department will love that. Um, Jeremiah Johnson, your your memory of – since we have Dane in studio today and tomorrow, um, were you as glued to that 0-2 run? Where was Jeremiah Johnson at in his journey here when, when Dane Fife was helping oh Mike Davis gosh. to the national title game? I was absolutely glued. I was an intrepid sports reporter at WTWO in Terre Haute. So wow. any opportunity I got to make a, a trek over uh, US 46 to Bloomington, I took advantage of that opportunity. So we, we covered some games, and actually at the time, uh, my wife was a senior in college. So the night of the Duke game was actually a night off of work for me, and I watched it at Yogi's, and that was quite mm. memorable. And then I was mm, able wow. to actually come over the week of the final four and do some interviews. So yeah, I was, I was all about it. I was glued to all the action. JJ, did you have a favorite interview of that team? If you can go back in your WTWO archive for us. Well, I'll share one. And this is no disrespect to Dane because he was a great interview. Thank you. But uh, Mike Davis's son, who's now the leading scorer in Horizon League history, Yes, he was correct. around a lot, right? Antoine, he was always around. It was like he was my big brother. Antoine was. He was two and a half. <laughs> showed me, showed me the ropes of how to be a man. He was actually listening to Coach Davis. <laughs> so one of those days, there was a Final Four, or before you guys left for the Final Four, there was a media day. He was sitting at one of the tables, and everyone was interviewing you and Odell and Jeffries and I said, Well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna interview Antoine and so I interviewed him and someone took a picture, one of the A P photographers, and it traveled around the state. So that was one of my first uh, brushes with fame is that I chose to interview Antoine and uh-huh. look where he is right now. JJ always on the ball when it comes to great human started. interest <laughs> stories. Forget these players. Yes. Let me get the coach's son. And I know so many of those photos now when you look back Mike carrying Antoine off the floor. It's the red tie with the black jacket. And you need to find the one that has the uh, note taped to Antoine's back that said, Coach, please give us a day off from practice today. We are tired. <laughs> and it worked. Thing? And it worked. Lo and behold, Coach Davis comes out from the office, looks on the floor, looking for me, looking for Coverdale. said, you guys really want to practice? You guys really want to be off practice? He said, "Yeah, coach, we're a little beat up." He said, "Okay, get some shots up, work on some free throws." But you know what? It may it did wonders for us. It meant a lot because we were worn out. But uh, we would do little things like that with young Antoine to help help our cause at any point. 
I love it. The irony of this, gentlemen, Jeremiah Johnson with us on the Mower Shop Hotline, brought to you at MowerShop.com, all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. Antoine Davis shows up Saturday afternoon with Detroit, playing IUPUI 18 points away from moving into second place on the NCAA's all-time scoring list. He will only chase Pistol Pete Maravich, likely after Saturday afternoon. And JJ, it's in Indianapolis of all places. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. It does it does make us feel a little bit old. I'm thinking though, right, Dane? When you hey. hear those things and, and see those things, JJ, when you find that picture, you need to have it printed onto a T-shirt. Yes, you and Antoine. I'm going. It's I'm going to that game. interview. Good, huh? Yeah. No. Hey, J- sorry, JJ. Go ahead. No, you're good. <laughs> I was going to say with Dane's practice story of gosh, coach, we just need a day off. What is the feel right now? We've all watched the last five games. Any team in the NBA without its star is going to struggle. It feels like maybe this was a little worse than some Pacer fans expected. What's the pulse of just from a stamina standpoint? This has been a bit of a grueling stretch. I think you do realize just how important Tyrese Halliburton was to this team and and will be once he returns. And the the goal, I think, over the next couple weeks or until he's able to return is to just get back to – you know, winning when you can and feeling a little bit better about yourself. January is always the hardest month in the NBA, no matter what, even when fully healthy. It's kind of that dog days time where you're past the halfway point, but the all-star break is still about a month away. And, you know, teams are starting to look at the standings, but still April playoffs, that's a little bit of ways away. But the Pacers are in a position where anytime they get a chance to win a game, they really need to take advantage. And when Tyree Halliburton was healthy, there was a stretch there for about three weeks where – close late Tyrese Halliburton just came in and won you the game and now if it's close late you kind of look around and you're wondering who can can make those plays and you had an opportunity against the Hawks you really had an opportunity as well against the Bucks. now the game Dane saw against the Grizzlies that's one where you just tip your cap to Memphis because they are (laughs) as Rick Carlisle said maybe the best team on the planet right now and Oklahoma City was a bit of a buzzsaw because they've won four straight now and they have a real identity with a healthy all-star MVP type of candidate in Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So it's a tough time right now, and you're going to face a back-to-back Denver-Phoenix at the end of this road trip with still without Halliburton. So I think they're trying to search a little bit for answers and just try to figure out how they can get by until he returns. Dane Fife, young players with the ball in their hands more than they're used to. Benedict Mather and now starting with Halliburton out. Andrew Nemhart. The former Gonzaga star played off ball. Now he's on ball. I would love your and Jeremiah's thoughts on just moving off ball to on ball for the first time. He lit it up against Steph Curry in one of the best games of the year so far out West, but just a totally different role. It looks like. Well, Jeremiah, aside from you giving me the uh, look away, the no look, uh, (laughs) as I was trying to flag you down, I was 10 people from you. (laughs) I I was so impressed just talking about the Grizzlies. He had a job to do, Dane. He was working. And I was upset about my milkshake. But listen, I, I, I thought that the the dudes that keep coming off the bench for the Grizzlies, um, you know, Jaron Jackson's, I mean, the, Xavier Tillman, they got Clark. Um, you know, you mentioned Carlisle seemed to think that the Grizzlies might be the best team on the planet. Um you know, and then talking about the young guys mm-hmm. um, having to handle the ball with with Nemhard going against a team like the Grizzlies, um, 
who literally, I mean, I use the word dudes because they just keep bringing players, athletes off the bench. Um, you know, Jeremiah, do, do you get the sense that, yes, January is very hard. I thought that was a great point. But do you get the sense that, um, you know, the Pacers are watching a team like the Grizzlies and they're they're kind of comparing themselves what do you think uh what what do you think is next for the Pacers in terms of when you compare them to the Grizzlies well some of the offseason discussions I think that Kevin Pritchard Chad Buchanan had mentioned Memphis as a little bit of a model and I think with all respect to what Memphis is doing let's go back three seasons they had Jaron Jackson Jr. they had a young John Morant and at I think it was the 2020 draft that they were able to get Desmond Bain, which turned into one of the steals of that draft as the last pick of the first round. And maybe the next season they'd win 22, 24 games, and it was a ticket that no one wanted when they went around the NBA. Now they're one of the hottest tickets in the league, and it's only three years later. And what they did was each year they kind of added a piece, they developed an identity, and the experience that those guys got that season and the season after – is paying dividends now to where they are a cohesive unit. And as you mentioned, the the guys they've brought in off the bench at different times, they've really fit with exactly what that coaching staff is trying to accomplish. So uh, Pacers fans saw this team got off, get off to a really good start in, in November and then in December win 8 of 10 and really feel good about themselves and started thinking about what could still be accomplished this season. Right. But I do think fans need to take a little bit of a step back and understand that when this season started, the goal was not necessarily to look at the standings in April and project where you would be. Now you're ahead of schedule, and you're right. certainly thrilled with that. But now you're realizing without Tyree Taliburn, there still are some holes in the roster. Yeah. There still is some things that can be accomplished from a team-building perspective. And so um, I understand fans can get frustrated during a five-game losing streak. That's never fun. But do look at, at what Memphis did and think about, okay, where can this team be when Halliburton, Nemhard, Mather, and have a year or two of experience playing together and they're not eyes wide open in some of these areas. And I think Tyrese Halliburton is perfectly content in any situation. I don't think Benedict Mather is going to back down from anybody. But, you know, Andrew Nemhard, to Charlie's original point, he played a lot of point guard at Gonzaga, but – he got in the starting lineup this year because of what he could do defensively. Now you're going into these right. games with a second-round pick, and you're asking him in one week to guard Trey Young, guard John Morant, guard, guard Shade Gilgis-Alexander, and, oh, yeah, also be the primary uh, ball handler and distributor on offense. It's a lot to ask from a rookie, but this experience will help him a year or two down the road. I know seniority's probably sometimes in play. Andrew Nemhard should be – first in line for the ice bath post game because of the names Jeremiah Johnson just rattle off here. It's a great point to point out, okay, maybe you're a little frustrated with how he scored the ball. Think about the defensive assignments. JJ, this team is playing without its best player. Again, Jeremiah Johnson here, kind enough to join us in Denver tomorrow night. Nuggets, Pacers, Jokic and Co. 32 and 13, best start in franchise history. Who are some of the pieces on the coaching staff behind the scenes that you des- believe deserve s- some shine in the spotlight. This thing has come together well. Assuming Tyrese Halliburton comes back in a week or so, there's nothing to say that this is going to be an elongated stretch of continual struggles. Who would you like to single out on Rick Carlisle's coaching staff? Well, how much time do you have? I think one of the things that I mentioned yeah. with that Memphis coaching staff is 
said they've stayed together. And, yeah. and one play, one coach they have, David McClure, was a former Pacers assistant Great that I got guy. to know. And he's Great been guy. there for – Great guy. Yeah, he's been there three or four years. And so one of the best things about this offseason is that even though last season the Pacers struggled a lot and they went through a little bit of a transformation in terms of what they're trying to do from a roster, they kept that staff together. So you start with Lloyd Pierce – Behind the scenes, he is someone that does – you can just look at him and say he's going to be a head coach again. He had that experience in Atlanta, and Rick Carlisle trusts him with that you know, associate head coach responsibility. Ronald Norad during games, we're going to hope to mic him up at some point. <laughs> we need we're Coach Norad mic'd up for sure. The Butler scrapper. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and they're trying at times to change some defenses. They want to do – you know, they want to be able to excel at their base defense, but when he's changing defenses and he's yelling out yeah. assignments and switches, it's fun to watch. And so I've enjoyed – I enjoyed covering Ronald Nora just like I enjoyed covering Dane Fife, and now it's fun to see him in this level. And then Jenny Busick, I, I was really – I caught myself on Monday's game when T.J. McConnell had 25 points in the first half and four for four from outside <laughs> the heart. Every time, every time he made a shot, I, I looked at Jenny, and, and she kind of had a little bit of a – you know, a sparkle in her, her eye and a smile because she's been someone that has been trying over the last couple of years to get in that confidence. And so much of it, she said, is he tries too hard, he thinks too much about it. If he just shoots it yeah. and lets it go, then then he has a chance to make more. And, and all of a sudden, after a good game Monday and then today, I think you look at his three-point stats, he's at 43 or 44%. So, so maybe teams will go over on the screens and then he can beat them to the basket. And then uh, Mike Weiner, um, assistant coach that really does a good job as well. And then I got to mention the IU guy, Calvert Chaney, Dane. Uh, you got all IU guys got to stick together, and he's doing no a really question. good job in player development as well. Jeremiah Johnson, thank you for the insight here. Again, Nuggets tomorrow night, then a quick turnaround going to Phoenix to see a shorthanded Suns team, but always tough on the road against one of the best in the West. Uh, Safe rest of the trip, JJ. Looking forward to seeing this team back at the field house with Halliburton back out there. Right? Rep us well out there, JJ. Dane, I, I'll blame it on a, my IFB was just too loud. I, I couldn't hear you <laughs> trying to get my attention. I totally understand. That, most, most people were just trying to ask me if I could get them an autograph of John Morant. So I was, <laughs> I was, trying, to try no. to, I was trying to ignore most people that yelled my name on Saturday. The real story is JJ was saying, Jamie Burns. Pretend like you're talking to me. Fife's trying to weigh me down. I do not. I do not need this right now. Just what? What was that? All right, do the head. Hey, JJ, appreciate you. All right, thanks, guys. See you, JJ. Thanks.